0: A new sound for your Sunday morning.
1: The only one who could ever teach me.
0: the Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center.
1: Was the son of a preacher man.
0: And Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik of Religion on the line. The
1: only one who could ever teach me? Now, now
0: on 77 WABC, The Rev and the Rabbi, where
2: faith matters.
0: Good morning, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend Ar Bernard. You know, Reverend, you and I are countercultural. Uh, we don't have tattoos. We don't have earrings, and we wear socks. Um,
1: I uh, do. I just I'm, went to an I'm event. Sorry. I, I I do have a tattoo, Rabbi. I, I, this is now public. <laughs> no, I won't see. tell anyone. All right, let <laughs> it remain. Okay? All right, all
0: right. <laughs> let it remain our secret. Nobody else. Nobody <laughs> okay, else. Okay, we'll now. leave it between you. But and Anyway, I, but absolutely. we wear socks. I've gone to so many events, and the guys don't wear socks. Uh, it, it's something
1: new, and I, I don't know how you, how you do it, but they do it. Fashion, the Fashion. shifting mood of society. Yeah, yeah, You, you and I remember Minnie, then midi, then maxi, then back to mini.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me tell you, share something uh, what I think is very important. So this past week, we read a tragic story in Far Rockaway: ten-year-old boy killed. Uh, seems it was a driveway dispute, and. Uh, Someone took out a gun and just started shooting randomly, and the yeah airport. Justin Wallace. Yep, and uh, father here works uh, at a hospital. I I spoke to some of the hospital. Said so the father's inconsolable is un- understandable, understandably so. And I I spoke to Reverend Ferguson, who's there, and she was beside herself and she was angry because she feels that you know it's gone too far. This uh, the shooting sprees, uh, people possessing these firearms so easily. Um and i just want to talk to you that you know it in this case it was a it was a black on black crime and i think there's a there comes a moment when that has to be examined very you know more in depth because a lot of crime is committed and too much of it is black on black um
1: And now now you know that that those are those are dangerous words you're using. Yeah, yeah, I know because there are those who would push back and say, you know, you're blaming the victims. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I I use the term black on black, but I, you know, even Al Sharpton, he was making a statement, and he had to say, we've got external problems. Uh, but we also have to deal with the internal problems, and that was the politically correct way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we have to deal with the issues in our own community. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I'm, I mean, all of us have to look within it and see, you know, where the blemishes are, but we we have to, we can't hide it because uh, we're not doing a service to our community or to the problem if we don't address it. So I sent to this Reverend Ferguson, I said, you know, um I would, welcome the opportunity to come out and others would as well, to be with you, to talk to you, uh, to see how we can stand more in solidarity with you. Uh, because some of these people feel that they're all alone, that you know, uh, that if it happened in other communities, there'd be a greater response. Uh, and uh, I, I just think we have a moral responsibility to be there for one another. Look, we want people to be there with us when we're attacked. We have to be there with them when they're attacked. But this was This was within the community. This was one of those internal issues
1: that needs to be addressed. So, uh. Yeah, I, I I, you know, let me just say that to you as a person of color, I'm going to be very firm with it, and that is that there has to be responsibility in our own community for what we're doing uh, to each other. And, you know, there have been occasions when there have been internal issues in the Jewish community, and to your. Uh, commendation, you have been very candid, you know, uh, about those problems within your own community. And it is true that in every community, we have issues that have to be addressed and dealt with. And we have to come together and show solidarity and, and stand against this. And this is where The moral value consensus that we bring, you hear me say it again and again, we bring that morality to it, that transcendent appreciation of the human person, the human being, the life and dignity of the human person. We bring that to bear, and uh, I think it's important that we stand together.
0: You know, I think of that as a proverb. I think it's a Muslim proverb that says, God created one blood of the human family. We all have passages that relate uh, to the oneness uh, of the human spirit. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it sounds good from the pulpit, but it's gotta be seen, you know, when one walks out into the street and, uh, to, to see a 10-year-old taken from this world in, in that heinous fashion, uh, that requires a res- a collective response. Uh, so to, to those in, in Far Rockway and to other places, uh, we need to address, uh, this rising crime. I mean, again, we cannot have, uh, a, a city that thrives, uh, in a city uh, where there is this, uh, the, the, cr- the crime, the, the attacks on one another, it is unacceptable, and more has to yeah, be done.
1: And and it means we have to take a hard look at gun violence, mm. where are the guns coming from? How are they getting into our city and into the hands of individuals who believe that violence is the only way to respond to conflict, to disagreements? You know, uh, we, we've got to change that narrative. And, that, and that's why the next mayor, you know, with all of these individuals who are running, the next mayor is going to have the economy to deal with, but also crime. Yeah. And they're going to have to make some hard leadership decisions when it comes to policing in order to address the violence that's on the streets.
0: And that's why the slogan, defund police, I don't understand. Because when yeah. you talk to people in these communities that are crime-ridden, they want to see police. They want yeah. police to be yeah. there. They don't want to hear yeah. about defund police. We have an interesting guest today whose uh, father was a, a member of the police force. And I'm talking about Congressman Peter King, who recently stepped back and said, you know, he uh, he wants to spend more time with the family, and he meant it. Some people say it and don't really mean it, uh, but but he meant it. And I'm sure he has a, a number of views on issues today that uh, he's not afraid to talk about because he was never afraid to talk about them. So I look forward to that conversation.
1: Absolutely. We'll be back with our guest, Congressman, former Congressman Peter King, right here on 27 WABC, the Rev. And the Rabbi. And the Rabbi. That was your cue. <laughs> I mean, you haven't missed it in a long time. We'll be back. <laughs>
2: Rudy Giuliani here. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation carries forward a legacy of courage and heroism. To mark 20 years, Tunnel to Towers is gifting America's heroes and their families with 200 mortgage-free homes. To honor the fallen, Chairman and CEO Frank Siller walks more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days. From the Pentagon to Shanksville, culminating at Ground Zero on September 11, Towers of Light return to the Pentagon and Shanksville Memorials in remembrance. For the first time, those lost to 9-11-related illnesses are being honored at a ceremony September 12th. And on Veterans Day, another first. The soldiers lost in the War on Terror are having their names read aloud. The words never forget require action. Do good and take action now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org That's T, the number 2T dot.org.
3: Sit Sid here from Bernie and Sid in the morning. Summer is here and the team at Peerless Boilers, Pete Morgan especially, is ready to help prepare your home for the season to follow. It's the perfect time to plan ahead. Create a beautiful, warm sanctuary at home. Home improvements are top of mind. Now is the time to do it before the cold returns. Start thinking about replacing your old beast of a boiler and water heater with a new high-efficiency Peerless Boiler or Pavilion Tankless Water Heater. The water heaters are 97% efficient Produce tons of hot water for baths, showers, clothes, and yes, hand washing. Save loads of money on your fuel bill. Installation crews are available and take all the safety precautions. Don't want to replace your old inefficient tank today? Don't wait until the winter when it's too late and you've got a mess on your hands. Go to puristboilers.com, pop in your zip code, and you'll find a friendly dealer near you. Remember, Purest Boilers and Pete Morgan, America's best built boilers
2: at bestfriends.org WABC Where
0: Faith Matters The Rev and the Rabbi 77 WABC
1: Welcome back, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard
0: Reverend, this is the new episode of The King and Us and sitting with me today is Congressman Peter King who, uh... I simply refer to him as America's Congressman, and I have to say I gave him the start. Uh, I knew him when he was a Congressman out in Long Island. You know, he was known in certain towns, but then he came on radio with us, and all of a sudden his career just skyrocketed. He appeared on all of these programs. Uh, he was in charge of all of these hearings. So thanks to those
4: of us here at WABC, Congressman, you are now a legend. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Reverend. And Reverend, it is important to note that Rabbi Potesnik made me a legend. Just like he's a legend in his own mind, he has made me a legend to a, a few members of my family, and that's about it. But actually, okay, I'm
1: sorry. glad you got that, Congressman. He's been able to do that to, uh, to himself quite a few times. <laughs> no, he's, he's been a
4: great friend for many years, including during some tough times. He was always there, and I'll always appreciate that, and it's great to be with you. Uh, Reverend, uh, now to, to be here, with you, I am mean, try to listen to you every Sunday morning, and uh, I'm glad you're there to keep the rabbi a bit under control. I really, uh, that's, You're performing a real, you're doing God's work. We call well, it service a service as okay, you I would say God. in the Irish world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Congressman, so
0: I, I just want to understand something, and maybe you can explain it to me. We hear the word progressive. What is progressive about having someone arrested and released from prison to commit a crime again. What is progressive about removing some of the uh, advanced math, advanced science
4: courses from school? Why is that considered progressive? Where's the progress in that? Uh, There's absolutely no progress at all. And what I see is they use the word and they use... Problems that exist in society as an excuse to knock down all of society. Obviously, there's, there's gonna be problems in the education system, and they, as a result of that, seem to want to tear down the education system. And we're gonna have problems again, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in policing, whether it's in criminal justice, whatever. And rather than make the reforms that are really a- always being made, I mean, uh, uh, Bill Bratton made reforms, Ray Kelly made reforms. There's always going to be police reforms. There's always going to be education reforms. But they really want to make such structural changes, really to, to tear down institutions in our society, whether it's religion, whether it's education, whether it's criminal justice, uh, whether it's uh, the healthcare system. And so I, I, I find them, and again, I hate to be getting into personalities, but almost like they're angry at the world, angry, and they want to tear things down rather than uh, build on what we have, which is so great and try to improve it.
1: You know, that's unfortunate, Congressman, to even think that people have to take it to the extreme. I mean, the beauty of America is that it was designed by the founding fathers to make changes, to to grow, to develop, to evolve, to hold it accountable to its values and principles. But unfortunately, there are people who take it to the extreme and want to turn it into a different America. And I think that's, that's a tension. That's a clash of two world views that we've seen, uh, very much so in, in, in our nation. So I, I applaud you on some of the things that you stood for. And we'll get into some other things. But Rabbi, uh, I'll let you continue. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I, there is this concept of excusiology that we have to find excuses, blame someone else for imperfections in our behavior. Uh, and I, I find with this progressive group, uh, they're very quick to fault the country, to fault uh, a number of people, uh, and yet they don't look within to see, well, how have they <coughs> contributed to the problem? How can they contribute to the solution to the problem?
4: Yeah, and also it adds to that, and now I'll be critical of people in my own party, then uh, we react to that. We have some people who are so far over in the right wing that they refuse to even consider any compromise with with others. So, and they are driving a lot of what happens in the Republican Party, just as the extreme left really has almost a veto power or a stranglehold, whatever term we want to use, over the Democratic Party. I found that, for instance, uh, when Hamas was firing the rockets into Israel, and so many Democrats who have been strong supporters of Israel, and I believe they still are, they really were, for whatever reason, reluctant or afraid to speak out, because that left wing, you No, know, listen, rather than say that uh, we should look at certain aspects of our relationship with Israel, which by the way, I support 100%, but having said that, everything is open to debate. Rather than have that, they say Israel is an country. Israel is imperialist power. Israel is evil. And uh, and that's that extreme extreme uh, ideology and unfortunately uh, not enough people in the Democratic Party stood stood up at that time and again uh, supported Israel and denounced those you know those, those types of attacks. And I can also, again, I'm, I'm making a partisan. I give you examples of that on the Republican side. But right now I think it's coming more from the left. Maybe of course the Democrats are in power. And you see the attacks they're making for Central biden and uh i'm not pleased with joe biden's administration but he's not an evil guy and some of the harshest criticism is coming from the left wing of his own party i would just add one thing and i Reverend, you want to contribute as well is that what i find
0: shameful is the people who don't stand up for example for israel and again we have every right to criticize constructive criticism is always uh welcome but when i see people for my community of the Jewish faith, who don't stand up for the people, that to me is a disgraceful moment, and they should be, you know, denounced for it, uh, because you know, pre-election, everyone's coming to house Jewish houses of worship and talking about their love for Israel, their love for the Jewish people, and then some of these characters get elected, and all of a sudden they're silent.
4: Yeah, because right now I think the again the progressives, the left, whatever went. Uh we want to call it, they have a real strong influence in the media, too. I mean, to look at the front page of the New York Times during the recent uh, war between Hamas and Israel, uh it was 90%, if not more, anti-Israel. I mean, showing pictures of the uh, uh Palestinians uh, who were killed by the Israelis without mentioning about the 4,000 rockets that were flying into Israel. Uh, so you have that uh, uh disconnect there, and it's... Uh, uh, it's, uh, I just hope we can find a way. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying everyone has to compromise for the sake of compromise, but compromise for the sake of getting things done. And if it reaches a point where you can't compromise your principles, that's one thing. But to me, if you can get 65%, 70% of what you're looking for, or if you can uh, cut your losses, uh, then to me those are compromises. You know, work. Where it's making. we in a democracy. No one has all the answers, and uh, you know, one one year one power party's going to be in power, another one the other year. And if you just wait, till you're going to get everything you want. We're never going to, you know, really get anything done, and we're going to go backward.
1: you, you know, uh, uh, Congressman, you've been in office for several decades, so you've had an opportunity to watch things change uh just like we talk about climate change but there's also a cultural climate change that has taken place over the last several decades uh I, where are we now compared to the the last several decades that you have been in office and watched where are we as a, as a nation compared to where we were? Well, it's interesting. I think that in most respects, the country is better off. It's better off
4: economically. More people are getting education. We had here in New York, we had, for instance, you know, the murder rate dropped by 70, 80%. Uh, we, uh, have more people going to uh, college. I mean, during the Trump years, and we can always get into a debate about President Trump, but the fact is in the minority population, the unemployment was the lowest it's been probably forever. Uh, jobs are increasing and more women were in the, uh, workplace, you know, things are not perfect, but we were, economic, if you looked at all the economic and educational indicators, we were in a much better place in 2020 than we were in 1992. But having said that, I find there's more anger on the ground. Uh, I mean, it manifested itself last year uh, with COVID and then uh, George Floyd. Uh, all of that uh, sort of brought out, it seemed to be, you know, late hostilities were there. But, I, I mean, I, I ran in 1992, and you had Bill Clinton, Ross Perot, George Bush, pat Buchanan was involved, but there was never any on the ground, any type of the real hostile reaction, even during Bill Clinton's impeachment. Uh, uh, during, uh, I mean, think of it now, when George Bush, when he was elected in 2000, uh, it took over a month to count all the votes. He won by 300 and something votes, which really means nothing. I mean, it's a practical matter. Uh, you can, in any congressional district, you can probably find 300 votes that are missing or 300 votes that are cast by mistake. So really, I mean, that election could have gotten either way. And yet everyone accepted the result. I mean, Al Gore, uh, obviously wasn't happy. I'm sure he down deep. He thought he won. I know that George Bush thought he won. But when it was over on January 20th, you never heard that even mentioned again. Occasionally there'd be some guy would write a column about it, about who really won in Florida or that type thing. But there was no, nobody was out in the street. There was no, nothing was being burned. Nobody was being attacked. And now... Everything becomes almost a revolution. I'm saying that on both sides. I mean, to me, I will never, ever forget what happened in Washington on January 6th. I mean, when I saw that, to me, that was like desecrating a cathedral or a temple or a mosque. I mean, to attack our nation's capital, which had not been attacked since the uh, War of 1812, and to see people doing it, carrying American flags. And people who were pro-police attacking cops. I mean, it was just, uh, uh, that, that to me was shocking. And, uh, same with, uh, some of the riots here in New York City last year on Fifth Avenue. seeing the way St. Patrick's was vandalized. I mean, this didn't happen back, uh, considering everything is so much better now. Uh, it should be better and yet there's much more anger, much more hostility, and people are further apart than ever. So uh uh I mean I again when I got down there and I, I never thought it was that I was in heaven or anything, but I mean you had Bill Clinton, you had Bob Dole, even Newt Gingrich ended up working out compromises with Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich was one of the uh you know, a guy who took no prisoners. That was his reputation. Yet he worked out uh welfare reform, balanced budget, all of that with Bill Clinton.
1: I well, if you if, if you say congressman uh that things are better and, and you know in, in many ways we are much better than we were 30 years ago in terms of where we are as a nation there has been changes and those who deny that i think they're absolutely wrong there have been some very serious changes so if that be true that things are better why are people so angry what's feeding the anger uh, There's Probably any number of psychological or sociological
4: reasons like one, one of the practical uh, reasons I think is uh, social media, to some extent cable TV, and you, you can live in, uh, you know, we can live in parallel universes. we can live in silos. I mean I can listen to MSNBC all day, and probably 99 percent of the facts are accurate. I can listen to Fox all day and 99% of the facts are accurate, but they're not put in the proper context. And as a result of that, uh, people, you can feel very comfortable watching your favorite channel or your favorite radio, favorite radio show and, uh, or go to your, uh, uh favorite website, your favorite, uh, social media panel and, uh, you will, uh, uh all you'll see, all you'll see here and read about is what something that would fortify your beliefs already. There's very little honest clashing of ideas. It's uh, uh and uh I mean you can you can read enough very legitimate stories saying that Donald Trump definitely won the last election. Uh, now the facts will be taken out of context. You can find others where they're saying that uh uh Right, you know that the uh, Republicans are the worst people that ever lived. That Donald Trump's four years were the worst ever in the history of the country, and it's taken out of context. When people hear that, I mean, I I guess I first noticed when someone come up. I couldn't even give you the exact issue right now. It was a few years ago, and they raised some point with me: how are we ever going to get over whatever the crisis he was talking about? I hadn't even heard of the crisis. It was something (laughs) you see on on the media, and it was like everybody was up in arms over it. So yeah, so so that's part of it.
3: Reverend A. R. Bernard. Joseph Patasnik, the Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. 77 WABC and WABCradio.com.
0: You know what I find? If you're a politician who's only worried about your electability, if that's your concern, you really shouldn't be in public office. Uh, it seems to me, and I think back to your career, Congressman, you, uh, the district you had, uh, diverse district, you're a Republican, yet you've got a you know, a significant democratic vote. Um you got from the white community, you got from the African American community, all the other uh denominations. And
4: don't forget all those temples am I <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I remember I saw one of them. Uh but was did did this contribute to your decision to uh I don't say retire, but to you know to step back and do something else with your life because of this divisiveness, because of this failure to come together and and examine issues in a, in a compromising
4: fashion. No, I I wouldn't walk away from a fight. But let me just say, as far as the district itself, it's really interesting. It voted for Barack Obama twice. And then it voted for Donald Trump by nine points. So, I mean, it really, uh, it showed there are a lot of independent thinkers or people who uh, are willing to change their minds. No, I, uh, to be honest with you, listen, I'm, I'm 77 years old. Uh, my wife is not quite that old, but we're both in very good health. My daughter moved to North Carolina. And I intend to stay in New York forever, but I just wanted more mobility. I mean, 28 years of going back and forth to Washington. And I loved every minute of it. I'm not one of these guys who's going to criticize Congress and say what a great sacrifice I made and all that. But 28 years of being in Washington three or four days a week uh, uh was, again, Making sure you had to be on the, the shuttle flight by a certain time, and you, you know you miss things that, that are occurring in your family. And I feel you know while we're in good health, let's try to take advantage of it. And uh, so that that was basically it. You know, you know, there comes a time for everything. Also, I know that uh, I, I left at uh, at the 2018, which meant I finished out my term to 2020. But in 2022, all the congressional lines are going to be redrawn anyway. New York is going to lose a seat, and. Uh, so it'd be almost like starting over, and also how how long could I you know could I go anyway? So to start over in a new district, uh, and we have you know young people out there, Lee Zeldin, Andrew Garbarino, people like that in my party. Give them a shot. I'm a happy guy, uh, and um, uh, I've I no complaints as far as what uh, influenced my thinking during the years. Yeah, I mean I I didn't compromise because uh, some of the compromises I made hurt me. I mean I uh, or at least hurt me in the short term. I, I voted against Bill Clinton's impeachment. And that really cost me, because one thing I know in politics is that people, when they get mad at you, they don't forget. So even a lot of the Democrats who... uh thought I was a great guy for voting against impeachment. They forgot that pretty quickly. It's the same thing in religion, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> not always that forgiving.
4: Yeah. Well, also, you asked the question, you know, the Reverend uh, Bernard asked me before, though, about uh, what, what's happened. I think a lot of it is, uh, and I'm not trying to be an Elmer Gantry or a preacher here, or, but I think we've lost a lot of, whether it's organized religion or, or religious beliefs or the fact that there's something more important than what we're doing today, that there is a greater good. And that uh, you can't just be thinking about yourself, and uh, uh, you know the whole thing that you know my kingdom is out of this world. Uh, to you can't walk around constantly thinking of religion. I don't know if I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but you have to realize that religious beliefs and principles really mean a lot. I think we've lost a lot of that. We've become a very, very materialistic society.
1: That is the purpose of our show. Uh, we call it the intersection of faith and culture because you can have the left and the right, Republicans and Democrats, uh, liberals, conservatives, but you need a moral value consensus. And that's what religion, we believe, brings to society. And it's very, very, very uh, important. So as you look back, 28 years, any, regret, any regrets? Uh, no, no. Uh, No real regrets. I would say probably the
4: greatest tragedy of the 28 years was uh, 9-11. I think all of us would have to have a regret uh, in that no matter what what anyone tries to say now, almost no one realized the true potential danger of Islamist terrorism. You know, there was a 1993 World Trade Center Center attack. That was looked upon as something, you know, things are always going to happen. There's always going to be some kind of an attack somewhere. Uh, you know, we had it in the 60s, we had it in the 70s, and that was the one for the 90s. I don't think anyone ever thought, and I'm not trying to minimize the seven people who lost their lives. But as far as the threat to the country, uh, we were, uh, I think the summer of 2001, uh, we were more concerned about sharks uh, coming and attacking people. Uh, I mean, it was just, uh, uh, it was almost trivial when you look back on it. Then 9-11, I think the fact that we didn't anticipate what could happen and we were not fully, uh, not really ready at all for that, you know, for that so, attack. So, Congressman, looking at nine
0: eleven coming to today, when we talk about an Iran deal and the threat of terrorism, I mean, do you think there is a certain <clears throat> naivete here? I mean, we're ready to offer a deal, or we did offer a deal to Iran, where after a given amount of time, I think it was a seven year period, they were free to go on their own right. and and develop
4: nuclear weapons. I mean, isn't that? Isn't that self destructive? Yeah, listen, I agreed with Chuck Schumer on this. He voted against the uh, you know, Iran nuclear deal. And I think now, and now I'm, I'm injecting some uh, partisanship into this, I think that if there's a mistake that the Biden administration is making, is that if Donald Trump is for it, they're against it. If Trump is against it, they're for it. I think we saw that with the border, the way they, uh, you know, they, they could say they want a more quote unquote humane policy of the border, but they didn't even ease into that. They just basically. Uh, stop doing what Trump was doing, and we had as a result of that, and almost invited in people. So now we've had hundreds of thousands of people attempting to cross the border. And same with Iran. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the world didn't come to an end when President Trump pulled out of the Iran deal, and we've never, we, we did not have the uh, uh, sense of, uh, if not peace, certainly of uh, absence of war in the Middle East, as we did the last several years. I mean, you had the Abraham Accords, where these countries actually signed agreements, not just sign uh, agreements, not sending some lower level ambassador, or we had the heads of four Arab countries sitting down with Benjamin Netanyahu in the White House and signing agreements. That was unheard of. What we did was we firmed up support among Arab nations, not because they love us. I think they could turn on us in a second and turn on Israel in a second, but they felt that with Iran, it was uh, that the tide was turning against Iran and that the U.S. was going to be solidly with Israel and yet working with the Arab states to bring about economic and the social improvement, and they... These countries saw, and also, of course, Jordan and Egypt, they saw the direction that they thought uh, the Middle East was going, and that's why they brought about this really absence of war in the Middle East. Now, I think, and again, I don't have access to all the intelligence I used to have in Washington, but I think w- when they see us trying to make a deal with Iran, they're afraid that they could be left out. And no. that's why you find these countries now uh, more going pulling away from the sense of... Uh, If not peace, certainly absence of war that we had in the Middle East. We are speaking
1: with Congressman Peter King. Reverend? Yeah, I I wanted to jump in. I can't let him off the hook. I'm a person of color. And back in 2018, the congressman reacted to the NFL, uh, you know, owner of the New York Jets, rather, supporting the right of the NFL League players to protest during the National Anthem. Uh, as you look back at that congressman, because you know, with me, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for peaceful protests, advocacy, uh, organizing, etc. Um, you had some hard, you had some strong words, uh, in reaction to that. Where are you today? You know, well, two years, would, later, uh, years later, three uh, years later. And that it would be the same because that protest was basically, it
4: was anti-police. And to me, uh, and uh, I was critical of the Jets because they said they would support anyone's right to protest at any time. And I said, you know, would they support if it was a pro-Nazi protest or pro Klux Klan protest? Protest by itself is not sacred. And to me, a protest against the police, and this also, a lot of this arose out of, uh, 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 out in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, which turned out to be totally untrue, the allegations against the cops. Listen, cops should always be subject to reform as much as anybody else, but to me, no one has done more to save more lives than uh, the police. And I didn't consider what I said to be anti-black. I considered anti-the
1: attack against police that was being made. So before we. Yeah, but you you understand. And and that's important that you clarify that because essentially the media reported that you called it a Nazi salute. Right. Because that raised hand, that raised fist goes back uh, decades, um, you know, when African Americans were not protesting the flag, but protesting the fact that, you know, America has a certain uh, list of values and principles that it espouses and lives by. And, you know, our own Declaration of Independence, before it declares the right to pursue, uh, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it declares the equality of all human beings. And, of course, that has not been consistent in American history. What do you say to that?
4: No, listen, that's, that's part of the constant striving we have. I mean, we've made enormous progress. There's more to be made. And every, every group has been discriminated to some extent, but none like African Americans because of slavery. But again, if there was any, uh, not anger, but any real criticism coming from me, it was not even so much against those who were kneeling. It was against the owner of the Jets, the owners of the Jets, who tried to cop out by saying, we will support anyone who protests. And uh, I'm saying yep. that they should have more specific. Are you protesting the police? Because uh, again, if somebody did demonstrate in favor of white supremacy, I don't think the Jets owner, owners would say, "Well, we support you know the rights of everyone to protest." So I'm just trying to pin them down as to what they're actually supporting and not supporting. So before well, I, I let you, sh- you go, I
1: appreciate the clarification. That's Thank important you. because yeah. you know too often they they grab sound bites, media puts it out there. And, you know, between media, elected officials, even clergy, you know, all guilty of pretending to be the voice of the people, which you and I know is not always the mind of the people. Yeah, I would just so ask people, I appreciate you clarifying
4: you know, that. To look at my entire record, I was the only Republican who voted with Charlie Rangel when it came to the center. I have mm-hmm. uh, uh, a consistent record of supporting Black causes, all, all causes for that matter. But I also believe that it's unfair to be uh maligning the police, which happens so often. So anyway, that's basically it. But I'm always willing to talk with people and uh sit down. Listen, I can even talk to Rabbi Potasek mm-hmm. all the time. Not all the time. Not somebody. all the time. Yeah. Except- now, that's what convinced me that <laughs> no. you were a great yeah, guy, that yeah. you yeah. were a good guy. The fact <laughs>
1: that you could sit down with the rabbi. And- let, me, let me ask you this, <laughs> Carnes,
0: before you go. Yeah, sure. So I think this Congresswoman Omar, who sits on the Foreign Relations Committee, talked about Israel, United States, Hamas, and Taliban, all in one sentence, all about the crimes perpetrated by these countries. And only 12 members of the House protested her comment. Twelve out of an entire House came forward and said what you said is offensive. You ought to be, make moral distinctions uh, in your statement. And she sits on that Foreign Relations Committee. Why Why the lack of courage. Uh, is it that they, they agree with her, or they're just afraid to take her on because they're going to incur the wrath of the, that left?
4: You're afraid to take her on. I mean, I saw this back in twenty. I guess it was 2019. 20, uh, anyway, uh, 2019, uh, Congresswoman Omar, I guess it was in the uh, Spring of twenty nineteen. She had made comments, anti Semitic comments about it. it's the Benjamins about right, the right. you know the Jews pay people off and the Israelis. And I, we come back on a Monday morning and on my desk was a resolution from the Speaker of the House which, without mentioning her name, totally condemned what Omar had said, everything about it. By the time we voted on that on yeah. Thursday, we had a resolution that was talking about discrimination against Pacific Islanders. About, I mean, I it was a hockey team they're talking about <laughs> first. I mean, there was, every, was everything in that so much so that Omar voted for it herself. There was so much pressure from the AOCs of the world and others that then uh, she Pelosi backed down. She became yeah, yeah. petrified, and they passed a meaningless resolution, which basically said that everyone should love everybody and uh, no one should hate anyone. And they mentioned every conceivable. Group that has ever suffered—it's no. wrong. You couldn't get a condemnation of anti-Semitism by itself. No, you could not. No, right. All right.
0: So, Congressman King, uh, Reverend, I are really grateful to you for for being with us. Someone said to me years ago, when you begin your career, you feel badly if you have one enemy. Uh, when you conclude, you hope you still have one friend. And I have to say that uh, you have many friends on both sides of the aisle. I think what you've been able to achieve in terms of bringing people together, I remember being at an event with you when uh, Bill Clinton uh, praised you, said when Congressman King extends his hand and says you got a deal, you can trust him. Uh, And you've earned that reputation, and we're proud to be your friends. Well, thank you, Rabbi.
1: Thank you, Reverend, for having me. I really appreciate it. Congressman, thank you again for being on the program. And thank you for being open and and honest and and candid about these conversations. It's so important. Thank you.
4: That means a lot to me. Thank you, Reverend. And now you're a contributor at WABC Radio. What I'm looking for is to be invited to your temple and to Reverend Bernard's (laughs) church. And especially if we get a free breakfast out of it. (laughs) You'll get that that at the church, I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) We have a
1: fee per person. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Congressman Peter King, right here on the Rev and the Rabbi on 77 WABC. We'll be back.
3: Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, where faith matters. The Rev
0: and the Rabbi, 77 W.A.B.C. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik.
1: And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. And Rabbi, uh, I got to tell you, I I behaved myself. You know, there was some controversial things, statements that... uh, uh, Congressman King made one more that I want to ask him about. But I will tell you, you know, <laughs> we look back at thirty a 30-year 30 career in politics and there are times that we react to things. We have to look at the overall record, and I believe that that's a fair way to look at everyone uh, when, when we judge them. Don't you agree?
0: I agree. And not only that, uh, first of all, I don't think there's any elected official with whom we can agree 100%. We're going to have disagreements. We have that within the family. We can certainly have that with politicians. The difference is you can have a civil sane conversation with Peter King that you could not have with other people without being accused of, you know, being some kind of prejudicial person or, you know, you'd be labeled in some fashion. That's the unfortunate thing. You get demonized for being, you know, for sharing a difference. Uh, We don't, we haven't provided that space where people can talk to each other and still walk away and say, you know, I differ from your position, but I still respect you.
1: I, I think that's what we bring to the table, and we need those kinds of civil discourse. Unfortunately, we don't have enough because it's what I think and everybody else is wrong, and that's where we are in, in, in society, you know. Um, that's why we have this program. Yeah. I, I sincerely believe that we are a place that we can have disagreements, and yet civil conversation, civil discourse uh, about those disagreements and ideas and opinions and belief, and, and and test them and, and, and appreciate them based upon the merits of the argument, you know?
0: You know, we in the world of religion certainly have differences, severe differences on issues, uh, but we don't come in with that spirit of triumphalism. I don't come in to say that because I feel my religion is right, that means your religion is wrong. What I come to say is what, I think it was a Pope who said years ago, that God has different covenants with different peoples, uh, that we all feel that we're part, you know, uh, of that divine covenant, that we all have a relationship with God. We travel on different paths uh, to our respective uh, faith traditions, uh, you know, ground, uh, and yet we can talk to each other while we're traveling. Uh, and, I, and I don't think we have, uh, in the political arena, uh, been able to reach that point. At least we've, we've regressed from where we were, as Congressman King said. Uh, you don't have people on both sides talking to each other. You have the shouting, the put down. And you know, the social media does contribute greatly because you see some of these politicos who appear on these programs or on these platforms and they want to get that, that sound bite in and it can be vicious. And the more vicious it is, the more popular they become with certain segments of society. So, uh, this is not a good place for us.
1: I know, and it's you know, and how it's reported because you like the question that I asked him about the New York Jets. Right. You know, it was reported that you know he likened the protests to that of Nazi salutes, and you know, if if you don't take the time to allow that to be unpacked by him right. and defend himself, because that was reported in the New York Daily News, you know, you 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 can misunderstand based upon how it was reported. I was, I was going to ask him about the statement he made about, you know, Eric Garner um, with, with that. And each time it seemed like he was trying to defend the attack on the police, which, which, which I get it, you know. Um, I was glad to hear him say that there, there is a need for reform, there is a need to change, and those are the things that we have to work towards. I was happy to hear him say that.
0: You know, people in authority in the police department say we want to reform. You know, it's, it's not a, a, a foreign statement by people who are completely removed from law enforcement. But there's got to be a fairness doctrine all of this. You have to look at this and, and not label the other as an enemy because you don't like some of the practices. You know, uh, all of our professions are people who shame us. There isn't a profession around where you don't have somebody who, who uh, acts in a, in a very uh, disrespectful, often a depraved fashion. We saw that in the Floyd situation. There isn't an officer I know that wasn't ashamed of that moment when we saw Floyd being murdered by by the cop, Um, but that doesn't mean you tarnish an entire department. Not everything they
1: do is wrong, and I find that isn't that what we tend to do in a society? We judge the whole society by the one individual. That that shames us or, or embarrasses us. I I I get that. Yeah, think about that. This past week, I had the honor and the privilege of doing an invocation, and I don't do too many invocations. You and I talk about right. the invocations, certainly not the benedictions. benedictions. We're not waiting through the whole program, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, but I had an opportunity to do the ben, the invocation, which uh, for those out there uh, don't know, that's an opening prayer and blessing. With comments, uh, at the beginning of a particular ceremony or event. And in this case, it was the swearing in of the first person of color to the office of Nassau County District Attorney. Mm-hmm. The current DA, uh, has uh, taken a seat as, as, as a, uh, appellate court. And, um, that opened the door for this young lady who, course, she's a member of my church, uh, Joyce A. Smith, and she's been in, in the DA's office for many, many years. But the fact that, you know, she stepped up to the plate and she was honored by her colleagues and the former DA to take on that role as acting DA mm-hmm. for Nassau County. And I, and I made the comment that, you know, she represents the best in us. And, and that is so important that we do everything we can because, like you said, where, where is there not a context where someone shames us, someone embarrasses us? We have to appreciate when someone does the best, brings out the best in a community, a race, a, a group, an ethnicity, whatever it may be. And I was so proud of her, mm-hmm. Rabbi, yeah. because again, she represents the best in us.
0: You know, Reverend, I'm thinking the story of someone who's having his portrait done and uh the artist said, "Look, I want to make this accurate. You have a few warts on your face, and I'm going to paint, you know, you with the warts." He said, "That's fine. Just remember I have a face." So, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, it's there are some people who only see
1: the warts and they don't see the face of America. Yeah, and you, you know, the first time I use that, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you credit for it. <laughs> All right, I thanks probably. so much, Reb. It's Really been a yeah, great, great program. Process. Thank you, Rabbi, and thank you, our listeners, for staying with us every week, putting up with the Rabbi <laughs> and me, and we'll be back here again next time on 77 WABC the
0: for Reb, Reb and the Rabbi.